Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Where the Dark Corners Are. Hello, I am Vina, and I am your Dark Travels hostess. Tonight, we have a... Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for another episode of Serial Killers. Serial Killers. Serial Killers. Serial Killers. With Sierra. Yeah! Hello. Hello. It's been a... Well, we always say that. We always say it's been a minute. It and, has been. But, but it has. Not as long, though. Correct. I'm correct. doing better. Yes. She actually responded <laughs> to my... Uh, what, it's through Facebook. Messenger. Yes. My messages. A lot better. A lot more timely manner, rather. I, don't, I have a really bad tendency to like look at my messages when I get one. Respond in my head. And then forget to actually respond. Right. I so believe that. that. A lot I, of the times that's what's happened. I really believe that. I have to believe that. <laughs> <laughs> that is, it happens and I do it to everybody. Okay. It's well, not just fair, you. Right? <laughs> She's all, oh, Vina, her again. I'm like, oh yeah, Vina. Uh, oh yeah, that date. Okay, cool. <laughs> and then just carry forget. on, carry yep. on. I'm like, oh yeah, like I should respond to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I get distracted real easy. So, well, that's, I mean, I think that's fair for a lot of people. Yeah. So, but how were your holidays? Mine were fantastic. Well, like the two weeks before were absolute dog shit. Oh, okay. Yeah. So my mom's went to a funeral. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they were going to stay the night up there with uh, with Nina. And then like... 5.30 in the morning, I get a call from BioMom. Hey, Grandma had a heart attack. They're trying to get her to a hospital in Reno. Right. You're probably going to have to drive everybody because you've been up all night. And I'm like, cool. I was up until like four playing video games because I didn't think anything was going to happen. Well, solo life. I mean, hello. So I drove to Reno on like one hour of sleep, spent all day in Reno, and then spent Sunday helping Daisy pack her parents' house because they were moving, and then spent all day Monday at the hospital. Grandma came home. It was good. Daisy's parents left. And then that next weekend, my Uncle Tom was in the hospital with a blood clot in his leg, and he has cancer. <laughs> I'm like... Okay, so this is not contagious, right? Because I don't need this right no, now. No, okay. but I'm like, I'm like, can you all like quit trying to die for like for, five right, minutes? Right, for Christmas time. Right, just leave the holidays That's not alone. the gift I want. No. <laughs> I mean, it's the gift that gives on giving, and you don't want that. <sighs> so then, and then Christmas was good. And then we were supposed to do New Year's at my grandma's house, but her and Dave, or I think just Dave, got sick. So I'm like, can you, can you all stop? Just stop. Right. <laughs> but other than that, it was good. How was yours? Well, it was actually, so this was the first time in ever that I didn't have any children. Mm. So it was kind of sad. Yeah. 
like super empty nest. Didn't even put up lights, didn't do anything. I mean, I managed to wrap all the presents that we were giving away. I was giving away. But no. And it was, but it kind of worked out because I was able, we came to Panda's house. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was able to FaceTime my son in Japan. Awesome. So that was reassuring because, you know, China's off the fucking hook with Russia. Correct. And just, uh, they just fucking need to stop. Correct. I mean, they're fucking threatening everybody. The Russians Mm -hmm. are threatening the British. Yeah. And Ukraine and everything else. And it's just. Right. Everything's just blown up. Correct. And they need to stop acting like they don't have mothers. So stop being (laughs) fucking dicks. So both, both Putnam and I don't know how to pronounce the Chinese guy's name, but we know his face. Correct. I see it. Fair. I can't even pronounce American names, so. (laughs) Shit, me either. (laughs) Y'all, y'all have heard my pronunciations on this podcast. (laughs) They're terrible. Right. (laughs) We're going to go, but we're just going to call him John. (laughs) Sure. Juan, whichever. Juan just first initial <laughs> but we did actually speaking getting on topic mm-hmm. we husband jeff and i went to virginia city gold hill gold Ooh. hill and we're virginia city is you know in my opinion everyone should go there at least once mm-hmm. it's very you know it's got a lot of historic value correct gold hill is just a mile past virginia city and we stayed at Gold Hill Hotel, which is the longest continuously operating hotel in the state of Nevada. That's fun. Right. And it's haunted. Of course legit it haunted. is. Of course it is. So. Everything in Nevada is haunted. Yeah. <laughs> well, everything in Virginia City is haunted for sure. That too. So we had New Year's Eve there. It was very nice. It was a nice time. It was simple. I got to wear a dress I've never wear. You know. <laughs> And it just worked out. It was nice. It was good. That's awesome. So, speaking of Virginia City. Yes. Let's talk murder. Let's talk some murder. It's been 150 years since that dreadful January morning when Mary Jane Minnery left her little cottage in Virginia City's D Street and stepped carefully through the mud to her friend and neighbor Julia Bulenti's back door. She could have never imagined that she was about to walk into the beginning of one of the most enduring stories in Nevada history. So this is the story of Juliet or Julia Boulay? Yes. Okay. She would find that Boulay, an independent prostitute, had been beaten and strangled to death in her bed, and that much of her wardrobe, including silks, furs, and jewelry, had been carried off in the dark of the night. Almost a year and a half later, a French immigrant day laborer would hang for the crime in front of a crowd of thousands. But did he really kill Julia? The answer all this time later, still isn't entirely clear. So this is great because, believe it or not, I had the opportunity to interview the operator for Bats in the Belfry Ghost Tour of Virginia City. That's awesome. For the previous Mm -hmm. episode. And she does not believe he did it. A lot of people don't and a lot of people do. It's definitely a mixed bag for that one. Okay, so give us the details. The murder shocked Virginia City. In January of 1867, the town was only eight years old. The city had seen its share of killings, and its residents generally accepted brawling and dueling as a part of life. But the brulette murder, perpetrated on a sleeping woman in her nightgown, was different. After Alf Dalton, a reporter for the 
Territorial ex- Territorial Enterprise? That one. I'm having a hard time today. It's okay. <laughs> Had been to the little college to see Julia's mangled body. He wrote in his diary, worst murder ever in the city. Horrible. Doton, who had known Julia in her professional capacity, estimated that she was about 35 years old. She had been a prostitute for more than 15 years and had achieved modest success. While she was often segregated from respectable women, she had many friends among her peers. As an honorary member of the Virginia Fire Engine Company No. 1, she had also earned some admiration in the larger community. Now, it's funny that you mentioned that detail because Mm -hmm. in one of the few pictures we have of her... yes. She is, I don't think she's wearing the hat, but she has the fire engine number one hat Yes, in the picture, I think, next to her. Next to her, I think. And she was considered that entire company's favorite. Favorite. Mm -hmm. You get what we're saying here, folks. (laughs) In her professional capacity. Correct. The Territorial Enterprise wrote about her as being of a very kind-hearted, liberal, benevolent, and charitable disposition. Few of her class had more true friends. In the days following the murder, her friends wanted justice. To complicate matters, some feared that Brulette's death was only one in a string of similar killings. Virginia City Police had been consulted in 1863 and again in 1864 in connection with the unsolved murders of two prostitutes in San Francisco. In each case, the woman was in her mid-30s or older, approaching retirement, or at least having worked long enough to accumulate some wealth. Each woman worked independently, lived alone, and was killed late at night, apparently after they had retired to bed. And each woman also had some connection to Virginia City. The San Francisco murders had been shockingly bloody. The victims repeatedly stabbed. The brulette murder had been done with less gore, but in all other respects, the killing shared eerie similarities. In a pre-Jack the Ripper world, this left reporters, police, and other prostitutes grappling with an unthinkable idea. Well, unfortunately, and we've said this before, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you were part of that, but prostitution, Mm -hmm. the oldest profession, is very dangerous for women. Correct. Because they go into a private place Mm -hmm. to do the business, the nasty, Mm -hmm. and in that privacy gives unfortunately perpetrator the opportunity of a well, perfect opportunity to do something horrible well, unforgivable and a lot of the times prostitutes whatever they don't have like family connections they don't have people that would miss them they correct you know, and, and it's worse now i think correct i mean they're less likely to be reported missing i mean because right, their families are used to not seeing them or hearing from them and right mm-hmm, for like months on it but i do think virginia city and the like kind of had a tight-knit community when it came to this profession for these ladies correct because they were aware of the dangers mm-hmm. i mean they were dealing with a lot of different uh, foreigners who didn't speak the language or mm-hmm. understood so- certain customs correct and i mean i'm not trying to suggest because they were foreigners they were dangerous no, i'm no. just saying yeah. there's a lot of miscommunication misunderstanding mm-hmm. and expectations yes well and then there was also since it's a mining town you know there was a lot of people coming in immigrants and americans that were coming in for short stints to work and then leaving right and then coming back and then which is you know. the perfect if you will type of killer mm-hmm Someone who doesn't have roots. Correct. Mm-hmm. Didn't really see him. He look, He blended in. Correct. He, he was might have only been there for a couple months and Correct. then gone again. Yeah. The roulette murder also had larger implications for Virginia City because mining production was on the decline that year and the local economy was in a recession. 
For those invested in the city's future, it was vitally important to keep up civic pride and investor morale. Despite their best efforts, however, it would take Virginia City Police nearly four months to capture a viable suspect. In early May, another independent prostitute awoke to find a dark figure skulking about her room and later identified him as 37-year-old John Milan. It is not at all improbable that the same man who so foully murdered Boulette attempted to murder and rob camp last night, reported the Virginia Daily Trespass. Most everyone believed the murderer had been caught. The man is either a perfect friend or is he scandalously beliled by those who have some knowledge of his past history, said the Enterprise, adding that Milan was rumored to have once had a pretty wife in San Francisco who died mysteriously. It was even reported that he had confessed to the roulette murder, though Milan denied this. Well, sometimes they get a confession and in, a, in a brutal way. Confession. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right. Just because they're just trying to make an arrest. Right. It looks like they're doing their job. Correct. And to get other people off their back. Correct. Mm-hmm. The Sacramento Daily Union claimed the detectives have learned that Milan was driving a water cart in San Francisco on a route in the worst part of town at the time that the prostitutes were mysteriously murdered. This creates deep excitement in the city, wrote Dalton in his diary. He will hang. However, guilty as many believed him to be, the police had yet to prove it. Milan remained in custody on a charge of attempted robbery while they searched for clues. In late May, a woman named Mrs. Kazentry came forward and said that she had recently bought a length of silk from him under suspicious circumstances. By the end of the day, the silk had been established as a unique piece purchased by Julia Blunet before her death. So, a potential witness. Correct. Well, and not so much a witness, but more like she bought stolen property from a dead woman. Right. I mean, who's to say? I, you know, sometimes there are and very rare instances, mm-hmm. strange coincidences. Yes, correct. In the next few days, more shopkeepers came forward with stolen items they had unknowingly purchased from Milan. Then the police were alerted to a house where Milan had stored a trunk filled with the rest of Brulette's missing treasures. From that moment forward, John Milan was on a fast track to the gallows. The city needed someone to pay, not only to maintain the morale of its investors and economy, but to keep the civic peace. Friends of Brulette's never specifically identified in court documents, but possibly members of the Virginia Fire Engine Company, among others, asserted that Milan would hang one way or another. So he, he was pegged. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, they were just looking for a body at that point, just looking for somebody to blame. Judge Richard Rising, who had been presiding over the district court since its establishment some years before, and who had seen the results of vigilante justice in action, hoped to maintain order. He would later write that during those days, many outrages and crimes were constantly being committed in the city and to endeavor to create a terror upon evildoers, I imposed very severe punishments. Well, side note, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily related to her murder, mm-hmm. but the courthouse in Virginia City mm-hmm. is said to be the only courthouse in the United States where justice is not blind. And so what that means is typically there are statues of a woman we call justice, and she's holding scales. Oh, and she's uh, blindfolded. Typically, she's right? blindfolded, mm-hmm. except for the one in Virginia City. Really? I never noticed that. She is not blindfolded. Side note. Side note. History side huh. note. If I ever go there again, I'm definitely going to have to check that out. Right. I mean, it, she's right there. Hmm. So Main Street, I think, is C Street. You have to go up to B Street. Yes, I think so. Right. And, and just so you know, 
be, you mentioned this earlier, mm-hmm. Juliet bo- lived on D yes. Street, which is the street below, because mm-hmm. it's on a, on a hill. Yes. Virginia City's on a hill. And Main Street, which is C Street, so the lower, you go down one street, that mm-hmm. was D Street. And there is actually a marker recognizing the red light district. Yes. D Street was known as the red light district. Mm-hmm. And I think there's even acknowledgement for Julia in the marker, but yeah. don't quote me on that. No, but, and I will say, going there in the winter, it's not fun with those little connecting side streets, because holy Correct. shit, they get icy. They're not only icy, <laughs> but they're very, very steep. They are. I so, mean, yes. My mom's and I, we went, it was like a play of Nightmare Before Christmas, and it was like in winter, and so like, we're like... Like holding onto the railing, trying to go up these <laughs> like up these side streets, and then on the way back down, I'm like just surfing down. I'm good. My mom's like, "Son of a bitch!" <laughs> just yes, yeah, so warning if you go there. Correct. <laughs> that is very fair. Consider yourself warned. They're steep and they're icy. However, and you break something. Right. <laughs> no snow so far. That is true. And I know that for a fact because I was literally just there this past weekend again uh, on yeah. Christmas or New Year's Eve. No snow. Yeah, that's I'll- unreal. I've never seen that in January, December. That's weird. Yes. I mean, I would like to go just because I would like to be able to walk and not slip and break my ass. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> or your ankle. Whatever. Um, knowing me, it'd be both. The trial lasted only one day. Not a single witness for the defense. Malin's grasp of the language was poor, despite some 15 years in America at mining camps. He was uneducated, and he did not present well. After a brief deliberation, the jury handed down a guilty verdict. The bell of the Virginia Fire Engine Company No. 1 peeled out in notes of joy, wrote Doton privately. This is the first instance I have ever known of the public rejoicing over such a verdict, where a man's life is at stake. But the Daily Trespass explained it in this way. That John Millen is the cruelest and most heartless murderer of the age is beyond doubt. That he has been a professional strangler, there is of little doubt, and his last confession would doubtless explain the terrible doubts that have surrounded the several murders in California with impenetrable mystery. So it sounds like they feel like they got their Jack the Ripper before Jack the Ripper. Correct. And also, I just want to know how many times can you shove the word doubt in the one sentence? <laughs> like, that's like four or five times. <laughs> On July 5th, in front of a crowded courtroom, John Millen was sentenced to hang and accepted the verdict with quiet composure. Millen maintained his innocence, however, admitting only that he had drunk a bottle of wine and then fallen asleep under Julia's house while two other men went inside. They had afterward given him the trunk full of jewels, silks, and furs to hold for them, and he hadn't known until the next day what had really happened. The two men, who he said were named Douglas and Dylan, had long since disappeared. The trial evidence was entirely circumstantial and consisted of testimony proving that Milan... Milam was in possession of Julia's stolen belongings, and that he had sold many of them, profiting from her death. The lawyer appointed to defend Milan was a politically ambitious young man named Charles DeLong, well-liked in Virginia City, until the trial put him in the position of defending the town's most hated villain. Right. Well, you are entitled to a a legal representation. Oh, absolutely. That is what we consider, quote-unquote, a fair Mm -hmm. opportunity. Correct to a justice to 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 getting to the bottom of justice well and it's you know it would be hard to be the defense attorney for somebody that the entire town has already condemned right pigged guilty correct he asked for a change of venue but he was denied 
On appeal, the Nevada Supreme Court upheld this decision on the grounds that because Julia Blunet was a prostitute, her friends had no influence on public opinion and a change of venue was unnecessary. Okay, we're going to disagree on that. I'm going to fully disagree on that. I mean, are you kidding me? How is that fair? It's not. I mean, the trial lasted a day. Correct. How much of defense did DeLong actually put up? Correct. And and plus you have your defendant is a guy who barely speaks English. Or claims to. Or understands English. Correct. I mean, I kind of knew that because if you've been somewhere 15 years, you need to pick some stuff up. Yeah, you do. But if, I mean, if you're working in a mine, you don't really, you probably don't interact too often with other people. I think it's fair if I met him to get a better sense of whether or not he I mean, was absolutely, but kind of bluffing or not. That's fair. During the trial, DeLong questioned Miss Kazantri about the silk dress fabric that she had purchased from Malin. He prompted her to tell the story for the first time she met John Malin when he came into her tobacco shop to hide from police after he had been rolling with a prostitute known as Buffalo Joe. This story, of no conceivable value to the defense, could have established in the minds of the jurors that Mylan had a history of violence against women. Well, he wasn't. He was in the neighborhood of the two unfortunate murders in in San Francisco. San Francisco, yeah, correct. And then he was standing over some other lady in Virginia City after this other one right. got murdered. And I'll be honest, I wouldn't tussle with a a chicka chicka boom boom named Buffalo at Hell all. No, Buffalo means she's gonna kick your ass. She's probably gonna snap you like you a better pay up front before. <laughs> And not even just half, the whole thing. Correct. Put it on the dresser, fool. (laughs) Buffalo Joe. Joe is going to fuck you up. Ah, I love that. In the end, DeLong's best strategy was to argue that the evidence only showed Mylan to be a fool rather than a killer. But the jurymen believed him to be a killer and DeLong could not prove otherwise. The conviction was upheld on appeal and the execution was set for April 24th, 1868. On the gallows, in front of a crowd of between three to 5,000, Mylan was serene and thanked the priest and nuns who had given him comfort in his last days. In French, he criticized DeLong, the Virginia City Police, and the prostitutes who had testified against him. What he didn't do, however, was admit to either the Bluelet murder or any of the others he was suspected of committing. He did not deny his guilt, but spoke with sincerity of being ready for God's judgment, which he expected to be less harsh than that of his fellow man. Former Territorial Enterprise reporter Mark Twain was on hand to witness the execution. I believe that if ever it would be possible to see a man hanged and to derive satisfaction from the spectacle, this was the time, Twain wrote. For John Millian was no common murderer. He was a heartless assassin. But the lack of real evidence and real confession left doubts. In 1873, the Sacramento Record ran a brief item claiming that the mystery attached to the murder will shortly be cleared up. The reporter seemed sure that a prisoner in custody was about to be linked to the crime, though nothing further came of it. And no name? Nope, no, no name, okay. no nothing. While Mylan was in jail awaiting sentencing, another prostitute was attacked in Virginia City by a skulking late-night prowler who was never caught. In the dozen or so years after Mylan's execution, at least two similar unsolved prostitute murders were committed in California mining camps. Were they connected? Did John Mylan kill Julia Blunette, and only Julia Blunette? Or was he merely a dupe in the wrong place at the wrong time? Only Million knows the answers, and he took them with him when he stepped off the gallows and into the abyss those many years ago. Well, this is sad. Right? 
Because th- the truth is, they both deserve justice. Oh, absolutely. Whether or not he did it, mm-hmm. she deserves to have the right person caught. Correct. And if he's truly innocent, he mm-hmm. deserves the justice of being allowed to have that recognized. Correct. Absolutely. But, you know, and I've surprisingly, for as much as I love Virginia City and talk about Virginia City and love <laughs> Virginia City, I've actually never read up on this scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me either. Um, up until now. Right. Correct. And, but I mean, I've always heard about it. I mean, mm-hmm. you cannot go to Virginia City and, and not, not hear about it. Correct. Correct. So, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, I mean, it's, you said a hundred and... 150 years ago. So, yeah. And he was killed in uh, 68. So, yeah. Yeah. In four years, we're talking 160 years. Yeah. So. Long. All the long. evidence is gone now. Oh, Absolutely. But I will say his his version of events sounds very weak. It does. But it also does sound plausible, because who knows? Especially back then. Right. I'm not saying that, but if I was on that jury, I'd be like, hmm. Yeah. So you were asleep under her house. And you didn't, like, wake up because you heard anything. But I don't know. And then you took the goods that they gave you, because that seems logical, but it doesn't. No. So... I mean, really, the only people who know are all dead now. Well, not so only, we'll but know. I mean, what does seem more logical? Mm-hmm. Let's say he's innocent. Correct. He sleeps. He hears the tussle. Mm-hmm. He sees the men run out. He checks in. He sees that he's, she's dead. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I'm just going to help myself to her stuff. That seems more plausible than his version of events. That's fair. That he, you know, she's dead. She's not going to need any of this. Yeah, she ain't taking it with her. But he really should have thought about, do I want to look like I took part in the murder? Correct. So, I don't know. All right. So, that is what we have for you tonight. That is. On to business. Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. For the Dark Corners R has a Facebook page. So, if you like to see some creepy things, share some creepy things, go ahead and send us a... My brain went dead. (laughs) I'm having a hard time tonight, (laughs) Vina. It's technically Monday. They could send us a request. (laughs) That one, that word, request over to that Facebook page. To join. Yes. And if you have a serial killer or murder or unsolved mystery. Yes. That you'd like Sierra to cover, send us a request at where the dark corners are at gmail.com. Final thoughts? You know, I'm, I'm really conflicted. I just, I don't know if he did it or not. Hmm. What's your gut tell you? My gut tells me that he didn't do it. My gut says he's either the stupidest man in the world or he did it. Fair. Okay. <laughs> All right. So until next time, please remember, only the few can find the beauty in the darkness, which is where we hope to meet you where the dark corners are. <laughs>